This is a HeadGum Podcast. Welcome all my friends to the show that never ends. We're so glad you could attend. Come inside, come inside. Hello everyone and welcome back to Robot Congress. My deepest apologies for our unplanned break, but we're going to be back to shows every Tuesday. This episode is about the Supreme Court, who the nominees potentially are, and the process around selecting one. Obviously, Kavanaugh has been picked by the time this has been posted, but restrain those mighty Twitter fingers of Roth. Put on your time helmet and go back to the age of yesteryear, or last Friday, when this was recorded. Step back with us. Back in time. 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 Seriously, we're so excited to be back. Hello and welcome to Robot Congress. I am Austin Hoffman, and with me is my good friend, Ryan Morrison. Hello, and you'll notice that there is not Ryan O'Connor here, because he had a mental breakdown and he won't do Robot Congress anymore. <laughs> it's it's a tough thing having all that electricity running through your brain. No, in all seriousness, he's uh, he's slammed at work, slammed with life, as have we all been. Uh, E3 came along with a million other things. The agency I work with partnered with ICM, and we've just been very busy lately, and unfortunately, Robot Congress fell by the wayside. But to make up for the lack of Ryan O'Connor... We are bringing in a guest that is long overdue. One of our top associates, our senior associate, if you will, Allison Rothman at the law firm Morrison Lee. Say hello. Hello, everyone. And I agree that it's long overdue. There you go. (laughs) Have you two met in real life? I forget. We have not. I've never had that honor. So Austin is, of course, still in New York. I'm out in L.A. where Allie lives and works. And I travel between both lands. I'm in the better company today for sure. Austin, it's been a while, but I do not miss you. Don't worry. I'll make your life equally as miserable. (laughs) Yay. Yes. Keep him busy. So we asked Allie what she wanted to talk about today. We're, We're doing a comeback episode. It's been a while. What do you want to talk about? And Allie, what was your response? Chicken nuggets. Chicken nuggets. (laughs) Chicken nuggets. No, I mean, it's a serious argument, though, and it's it's a bit of a meme, which are obviously illegal, but it's been a discussion about whether or not boneless wings are chicken nuggets. I am not manly enough to enjoy a regular wing. I enjoy boneless wings. And everyone says that makes me a four-year-old who likes chicken nuggets. I disagree. They're different. What makes them different, Austin? Oh, no. Wait. Well, are boneless (laughs) chicken wings made of compressed chicken meat? Or are they literally chicken wings that have been, you know, they they pull the bones out? don't think it's possible to pull the bone out of a wing and reassemble it. It's well, you been, don't have to reassemble it's it. It's been the same meat. The four minutes not, since they, we started, Austin. You've already said the stupidest thing you've ever said. <laughs> well, are they using uh, chicken nuggets? Or, uh, are, Welcome uh, back, everybody. So the actual topic we're going to discuss <laughs> is Supreme Court and how the justices are nominated, picked, what the process is there, how doomed we all are because Trump gets to pick another one. Bone and are just, definitely better, though. Yeah, of course. And just w- what this all looks like. So Ali is a bit of a political junkie. She's here to talk about the overall process, the the current situation on the court, uh, and what we can expect decisions to look like going forward now that there's going to be two Trump nominees or two Trump justices sitting there. For a long while, for most people's listening to this lives, it's been four and four. There's been four liberal justices and four conservative justices, with Justice Kennedy being the swing vote. He definitely lean more conservative in my heart as that's how I feel about him. But I would imagine many conservatives feel he leaned too liberal, but he was the swing vote. And just a few days before this recording, Justice Kennedy decided to step down. 
There's been a plethora of rumors as to why, notably so that his son seemingly was one of the bankers that helped loan Trump over a billion dollars in involving some Russian funds and things like that. Bunch of fun. Hmm. Uh, but that's all unsubstantiated, at least at the time of this podcast. And for all we know, Kennedy just decided, hey, I'm done. I'm bored. But all of the reports say he's in great health. And this was out of nowhere. So knowing that Trump would get the nomination. Exactly. And Trump just said in a press conference today that Kennedy said he stepped down with confidence because he knew I would do a good job. And anyone who is educated, made it through law school and everything else has to know Trump won't do a good job. But (laughs) (laughs) but here we are. So first things first, that's the bias of this episode. You can enjoy it. But before we get into talking about the current justices and the ones that are the strongest candidates right now, or at least most likely candidates right now, let's go through the basics. So, Austin, what is the Supreme Court? What is the Supreme Court? The Supreme Court is the highest judicial court in the country. It uh, takes judicial precedence over all of the other courts in the nation. And that means that if the Supreme Court makes a decision, all the other courts in the United States have to follow that decision. So they make a lot of big calls. Yeah, which is, you know, an obvious statement, but people don't really realize that a lot of times, especially in the game industry and the entertainment industry, you'll see a headline that says court says Fortnite is illegal. And then you look at it and you realize it's just uh, the lowest level court in a small little district in Massachusetts or something. Yeah, it's just it's not going to set any major precedent. It's not actually changing anything. It's just a small little decision. Uh, There's there's districts then as you get higher in federal court throughout the country that do make decisions that affect kind of that region of the country. But even with fair use, you'll see that not two districts do it exactly the same way, uh, which we've discussed many times on here. But when the Supreme Court weighs in on something, that is this that is it. All the districts have to follow it. It is precedent for everything. (laughs) Exactly. Which means it comes Uh, with uh, sour cream and guacamole. (sighs) But as you'll see, the the Supreme Court decisions usually get reinterpreted and reinterpreted for many years to come. And very rarely is it actual set precedent that changes things substantially. And of course, Congress can always just make a law and overrule any Supreme Court decision. Well, Uh, because they have to go through so many different levels, if a case makes it to the Supreme Court, it is an important one. For sure. And it's it's usually a topic that the country is begging to hear about and see. How does the Supreme Court choose what cases it hears? Not necessarily. There are no fixed hard hard and fast rules as to how the Supreme Court decides which cases to hear. So every year the Supreme Court gets about 10,000 petitions for a certiorari, which basically means the lower courts or plaintiffs or defendants trying to get the Supreme Court to listen to their case. With that said, they hear they get 10,000 petitions, but they hear only about 80 of them. That's an approximation. So while there are no hard and fast rules, There are definitely some things that they consider when deciding whether to take a case. For example, if it's a conflict of law, which means that, like Ryan just mentioned, there's district courts all over the country. They can each make their own decisions. They don't have to be the same. And if that is uh, if there's a wide variance there and it's an important issue, then the Supreme Court choose to hear it and be the deciding factor. And that's important, too. Like you have to you have to look at the big picture with this stuff. You know, laws are written. And despite what we joke about, legislators really do try to make these laws obvious. They try to really flesh out for any possible circumstance. They add comments to the law that's that's under the actual statute that says, here's what we mean by this. But with reality and with everything, situations will occur where that law is used or interpreted a strange way by the police or whoever. And then all of a sudden the court is left having to figure out what that law means in this context. 
And you can put 100 people in a room, give them the same exact statute and the same exact fact pattern, and those 100 people might come up with 100 different meanings of what the actual intent of that law is. So if that happens, even if just two districts are saying, well, I I am the judge and I'm saying this is exactly what they meant by this law, and another another judge is saying the opposite, that's what Ali's saying, that that's a major reason the Supreme Court would come in and say, well, it's cute that you two had your own opinion. Here's what it actually means. Exactly. <laughs> so they they, they yep. settle fights between the kids. Exactly. <laughs> They're the uh, mommy and daddy of the courts. What are some other reasons they would uh, grant it? So another reason that the Supreme Court may choose to hear a case is, frankly, just whether or not it is an important social issue going on in the country, something that the country is divided over. Um, you know, Bush v. Gore, Roe versus Wade, um, you know, push-button issues like that, the Supreme Court can just opt to listen to. So, um, yeah, so, so they, you know, they kind of have the choice whether or not they, they want to hear the case or not. And now that we've talked about what they do and how important what they do is, let's talk about some of the judges on the Supreme Court. Austin, you <laughs> simple bastard. They're not judges, they're justices. Austin, I, don't see I will a be much nicer to you, but yes, they're <laughs> called different things. What is the difference, Ali? I thought they were synonyms. Well, Austin, most people do, but actually they're not. So here's the difference. Every justice is a judge, but not every judge is justice. Is that accurate? Would you say so? Yeah. So here is the difference, the quick difference between a judge and a justice. So judges are your basic, you know, uh, for lack of better term, basic bitch of, of the judges. Wow. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> you know, they start. They've they worked their the whole life to get to that To be the basic bitch <laughs> judge. <laughs> but, yeah, so they hold trials. They hear the entire case before them. But justices are usually, um, you know, at the appellate court or, in this case, the Supreme Court, where all they do is they hear the oral argument before appellate them. Court? Exactly. What is the appellate court? Sorry, to step back just a minute, appellate court is basically when the basic big judge, bitch judge makes a decision and you don't like it, you take it to the appellate court. You say, hey, I don't like what they said. How about you try it now? And, so, and just to, I know there are a number of judges who listen to this show, so I just want to say that I think you're great. <laughs> this is, that's Allison Rothman speaking. This is not my personal opinion. This is the opinion of my law firm. No, yeah. <laughs> What's even funnier about that, though, is New York. Uh, New York, where Ali and I are both from, and Austin, obviously. It's not New obvious. Is, I don't have your accent. New York is the <laughs> only state where the justices are actually the lowest court. So the, the Supreme Court is the lowest court in New York. And the reason we do that is because those justices, when it, they were originally called that, actually had a lawsuit to, to remain being able to call themselves justices because they were – they enjoyed it better. Why do you know that? Am I a fake New York lawyer that I don't know that? I guess. I don't know. That was a very Supreme Court is the lowest court. Yeah, we are the upside down state. We are the only state that the Supreme Court is actually the lowest court, but they call it Supreme. It makes absolutely no sense. Well, it's because all the lower judges outvoted the the New York Supreme Court is the lowest court in the state of New York. Okay, well, we're talking about the... They are the basic the... bitch of New York. And wow. then there's the appellate divisions, and then the Court of Appeals is the highest court in New York. Oh, my God. Why did we just have to... We had we had a tiered system that made sense, and and now... Hey, we're walking here. Get out of our court system. We're upside down with the bagels and a kung fu pepperoni. Yeah, and, and your lox, cream cheese with your bagels. I mean, you got to give them something. We have the best pizza and bagels in the entire world, so let them screw something up, all right? That's right, right. absolutely. Our water is radioactive. 
okay, so let's go through the court. Uh, first things first, we have Chief Justice Roberts. Chief Justice is the the, the king of the court. He uh, They all have an equal vote, but the Chief Justice certainly is the one who kind of runs the oral arguments, runs the proceedings. He'll, he'll I'm sure he organizes things in the back room. What's interesting is he's one of the newer justices. Does anyone uh, have to like him? I, I don't think mo- any two members of the court like each other, so I don't know. <laughs> uh, uh, the most important thing the chief justice does is choose who actually writes the majority opinion. Uh, they're the ones who are going to not only say, okay, here was the winning vote, here was the winning decision, but that justice gets to flesh out why. It gets to say how it affects other rulings. It gets to say how it affects other laws. It's going to be cited by thousands of attorneys forevermore. It's a super important honor and duty for one of these justices. So you're saying he gets to talk more. Yeah, well, that's what that's what I always used to think about in law school. Like, all right, Scalia got to write this opinion, but like everyone else got to go home. Right. (laughs) Yeah. And well, it sounds like great power, great responsibility. You know, he's got to do more. Yeah, I mean, Scalia was not Spider-Man. How dare you? But they uh, rest in peace or not really. I don't care. Uh, but it's, uh, Spider-Man's not dead. He's in our collective no, imagination. No, uh, I meant. But anyway, the, uh, the it, it is a huge honor. And I mean, these guys are there to do this. They they are quite literally defining the law for the land. And uh, they're changing. A Chief nation. Justice Roberts getting to do that is is a huge huge responsibility. Chief Justice Roberts was nominated by George W. Bush. He was previously a court of appeals justice, and he's pretty solidly conservative on issues like voting rights, campaign finance, and gun control. Ali, take us through one of the major decisions that Roberts uh, authored. So like Ryan mentioned, Chief Justice Roberts is super conservative. So a lot of you may have actually heard of the case called Obergfell versus Hodges. This was the case that was recently heard by the Supreme Court that involved whether or not gay marriage was legal. Um, I'm sure all of you listening know what they decided, and that, of course, is that gay marriage is legal. Um, however, It's putting a new meaning to gay. Joyous! <laughs> <laughs> Celebrating. Come on. Back. <laughs> anyway, uh, Chief Justice Roberts was one of the justices, uh, if not the only one, I'm actually not positive, who dissented in that opinion, which basically means he didn't agree with the majority decision. Did he state uh, why? That, well, actually, it wasn't necessarily because he thought that gay marriage should be illegal, but he interprets the Constitution, which is the justice's job to do. He does that very strictly. So he thinks that it wasn't their job to make this decision, but instead the states should have been allowed to make that decision. Right. And what's what's interesting about what your comment, Austin, did he give a reason? I forgot to mention that. The, when the Supreme Court comes to a decision... Uh, Chief Justice Roberts picks someone to author the uh, the majority opinion, but also a justice will author the dissenting opinion. Not always, but usually we'll get a, uh, a long written. Here's why I disagree with this ruling. And what's interesting is even though that's the losing vote and they do, they have no say in the law, dissenting opinions are actually referenced by attorneys pretty frequently in, in a. Yeah, this may not be case law, but here's the justification. And one of the most important justices in the world agrees with us. Right. Uh, and, and it allows lawyers to take the facts of their particular case and say, well, hey, this one is actually more like what the dissenting judge decided. So this is why you should go with that opinion instead. For sure. Uh, the next justice up that most people know is Clarence Thomas. He's the second African-American uh, justice ever. He is absolutely at least 
probably currently sitting, I would say he's the most uh, conservative justice on the, the bench. Uh, he was nominated by the other President Bush, the older one, <laughs> and he is notoriously famous for. So when when so, when a case is granted cert and it goes to the Supreme Court, there is almost always oral arguments and the justices will ask questions. They will kind of really grill the attorneys there to say, OK, here's your case. But come. What does this mean? What does this mean to you? What what would you say to this? And Clarence Thomas is is famous for being the only justice who never participates. He'll <laughs> sit there like a grumpy old teddy bear. But he doesn't ask any questions. He doesn't really. He just participate. listens to the, like the to to the case as it is instead of not asking for more clarifying. Yeah, I mean, I'm not saying yeah. he doesn't listen to the oral arguments. I'm saying he 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 does not follow he listens, up. Listens, he doesn't speak. Right. We also, all know maybe, who should be more like that. Maybe he just <laughs> believes that uh, that the case should stand on his own without his clarification. I'm sure he's said many times why he feels the way he does and does what he does, but. Uh, I think it's just he's a jerk. Well, let's get to the best one. <laughs> the notorious, the notorious RBG. RBG. <laughs> Do you want to say that? Sorry. I, I want to say that over and over and over again. The <laughs> notorious RBG, Ruth Bader Ginsburg. I think we all know RBG and love RBG. She is four foot six and 800 pounds of muscle. She is the definition <laughs> of tiny but mighty. She wow. is. Yeah, she is certainly the... Uh, the liberal superhero on the court. She's the one that most of us know and love. Uh, she was nominated by good old Clinton. It's been around since 93. The important thing to keep in mind with these justices is this is an appointment for life. So once you're on the Supreme Court, you're allowed to stay there, dementia and all. And oh, I'm, I, I don't think Ginsburg has anything of the sort. Uh, but it's it's pretty crazy that they are there forever until yeah. they decide to step down or, or they die. die. <laughs> Can they... Have there ever been cases for somebody for for one of them being removed because of uh, an age related ailment of the mind? I mean, like I said, we let Scalia serve until he passed, so I don't. I, I will apparently let anyone do anything. Stephen Breyer is another justice who's authored a lot of the liberal opinions. He's certainly on the uh, the liberal side. He was put in by Clinton as well. Uh, 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 justice Alito was put in by George W. Bush. He's a newer one as well. He's one of the most conservative judges on the court now that Scalia is gone. Then there's Sonia Sotomayor. She's the uh, she's from Bronx, right? She is. Yeah, she's a Bronx born and raised. Yeah, let's go New York. She was nominated by Obama. Uh, she's the first justice of Hispanic descent. <laughs> I wonder if she was on the six with J-Lo ever. <laughs> I don't think so. <laughs> and then uh, who was who Obama's other justice? Don't leave the listeners Elena waiting. Kagan. There you go. Miss Elena Kagan. <laughs> the one and only. And uh, then we got to the dark times. <laughs> Tell us about dun, the new dun, justice. Dun. This is what we got a lot of questions about when I tweeted this out. Uh, Trump's Trump already has a justice on the court. He's about to get another one. But let's go over the old one. Uh, Neil Gorshitz. Uh, is that how you pronounce <laughs> his name? I'm pretty sure that's exactly how you pronounce Mr. Nice Gorshitz. Name. Tell us Gorsuch? about... Gore suck. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so he was another Trump nominee, like Ryan mentioned. So after Scalia, the conservative of the conservative came Gorsuch, who is equally as conservative. Um, he kind of stepped into the shoes of Scalia and considers himself what they call a textualist, which means they look at the letter of the law the actual language of the Constitution, and rarely, if ever, stray from that. It's, so it's, it's basically it's spirit versus it's spirit versus the letter. Right. Yeah. yeah I mean, I, that is actually correct. So there's there, the two main ways that most people read the Constitution are either by the exact text or by the, the others who would argue they're reading the intent of the text. 
you can see this most commonly argued in the Second Amendment. What did they mean by this? What does a well-trained militia mean? Uh, Ah, yes, the right to bear arms. Right. Uh, Yes, we should all have a a set of bear arms. Very, very good joke, Austin. And that's actually (laughs) how they have flexibility, and that's how they're able to, you know, a lot of people ask, why does it make such a big difference who's going to be on the court now, and why does it matter what their individual views are? Well, this is why it matters. They can use these approaches to insert their political views and um you know uh, their as i understand it uh, Ju- justice gorsuch uh is a textualist which means that he will not stray and his opinion will not enter his his uh his rulings that's crazy that's like ali just said that uh <laughs> <laughs> well no that means that that means that uh that, that, that there's no reason that they will be influenced by their political or religious beliefs well i mean jokes aside that is how it should be the, the supreme court is not so how ali and i just went through the list and we were saying well, this one's conservative, this one's liberal. That shouldn't be real. Uh, the reality is they should all be reading every case from a truly, here's what this law clearly is supposed to mean and reading it. But instead, they let their personal biases affect things. Arguably, right, it's impossible here. not to. But when the Supreme Court was created, when Congress was created, when the executive branch was created, the idea was to have three branches that checked and balanced each other. And our forefathers absolutely did not think we were going to be a two-party country. And now that we are, it's hard because you see if, if the Republicans or the Democrats control the House, they control Congress, they, could, they, they have the presidency, and then they have more justices, they can quite literally do whatever they want. And you can agree or disagree, but that amount of power is the opposite of what the Constitution intended. And now that we do have justices that are so clearly – you you can show me most cases going to the Supreme Court. You can show Allie, and we'll know before they even read it where it's going to go. You of can, course. Yeah, you know that, okay, the conservative justices are going to do this. The liberal ones are going to do this. Are there outlier cases? Of course. But it's it's just not how this is supposed to be, but it very much is the way it is. And that's why it's terrifying to me as a liberal to see Trump getting a second justice, because that means that Kennedy, who's forever been this swing vote, now it's going to be 5-4 in favor of conservatives a lot. Right, but you can see why conservatives would be terrified when there's a liberal majority, because then I'm sure it'll start raining rainbows and horses will eat each other. Totally uh, agree. I mean, that's that's the reality is, right, we're in a two-party system where... Been, the, the thing is, that two-party system, I mean, we've been, we've been living with that for centuries, because that fell apart almost immediately. Almost immediately, which is hilarious. And yes, Republicans and Democrats... The party names may have changed, but there's always been one liberal party and one conservative party. Even and we're not going to those lines have shifted. Yeah, we're, yeah, I guess we shouldn't get into that. <laughs> well, no, it's not. It's not that we won't get into that. I mean, it's another episode because you can you can talk forever about what the actual parties mean. And I consider myself a Democrat, but I hate most of the Democratic platforms. I'm much um, more, however, uh, much more Bernie bro. What is, what what is on topic would be the fact that you. Uh, uh, Interp- uh, you, you believe that, that that the letter of the law should be uh, should be what dictates it, a textualist, as opposed to uh, understanding the, the spirit of the law. Is that a, is that was that what you said earlier? You're saying that's what I believe? I thought that's what you said earlier. No, not at all. That oh. is what Gorsuch believes. Yeah, that's what that's what Trump's current justice believes. Right. And that is what many conservative justices believe, and because that's the approach that they use to justify their conservative views. Uh, yeah. I, I, okay. Because yeah, it, it's. It's it's a good idea to 
to see the spirit of the law, but then the problem, of course, is that in seeing the spirit of the law, then you're allowing your uh, your personal beliefs into it because you are seeing it from your perspective, as opposed to... I, I, I guess the problem is that we see textualists calling themselves textualists when they are, in fact, not textualists. And again, I don't want to act like there's only textualists and only... Uh, intentionalists, for lack intentionalists, of right? Yeah, I, there's a lot of style of judicial reasoning that law professors will tell you exists and whether or not... You abide by any of them is up to you, but most people just have their reasons for things and that's it. But, you know, in law school, we learn there's people who use historical interpretation where they look at the context of the written provisions at that time in history. There's textualists who only read the letters of the law. There's structuralists, whether the statute fits with the working parts of the Constitution as a whole or if it needs to be changed. Ooh. There's uh, yeah, I mean, th there's people looking at the ethical uh, ruling, rules behind every law and et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. It goes on. But, you know, I I don't know what I would even consider myself, but certainly not a textualist. I think that when people write things, they do their best job, but they can't possibly foresee every outcome. Uh, when the Second Amendment was penned, for example, they didn't expect the ability for everyone on the street to have an Uzi. I mean, the, to, it was uh, penned. It wasn't even penned. It was written <laughs> in like, blood. Yeah. And to, I and, don't and, think the Constitution <laughs> was written in blood. And to, to quote Jean-Luc Picard, there can be no justice so long as laws are absolute. Exactly. That's don't a Star Trek quote help him. Don't do this. I'll, I'll uh, figure it goes in the shell in there somewhere. Why don't we talk about the new guys? Right. The, the up-and-comers. So Kennedy's gone. His son did something with a billion dollars, and Kennedy's uh, reputation is tarnished forever. We think allegedly, but uh, <laughs> but regardless, Trump gets another one, even though Trump's under investigation and a justice stepped down because he did something potentially illegal and Not potentially Russia's controlling everything. No one's stopping it. And Trump gets another justice. And there are six judge, ju uh, judges that he spoke with to be potential justices. One of them is a Fox News anchor. Is what? It that that? Yes. Austin. Eligible for a seat on the Supreme Court. That's where we are. It, uh, wait, wait, are there required? Welcome like, to 2018. Are, are they former they, judge, now Fox News commentator? Yes. Oh, okay. So that. Wow. Oh my God. Oh. Uh, <laughs> I, I'm trying to. I'm trying to keep an open mind. I'm sorry. It's not easy. Uh, let's ignore that one. So we're going to talk about <laughs> Brett Kavanaugh, Raymond Kethledge, Amy Coney Barrett, Amul Thapar, Joan Larson, and Thomas Hardiman. Uh, apparently the three front runners, as we're going through them, are going to be Kavanaugh, Kethledge, and Barrett. Well, supposedly his decision will be announced on Monday, but from what news sources are saying, those are the top three for the moment. And what's the process? If he names one, they're just not automatic automatically on, are they? Do they have to get approved? No. So here's what happens. The president has the authority to nominate essentially whoever he wants. They, um, they then have to be approved by the Senate. So, okay, so... Trump puts one of these guys up, but they, again, they have enough seats in everywhere else where they'll probably get this through. So let's talk about the the fan favorites, Brett Kavanaugh, who's, according to reports today, as we're recording, one of the favorites. Kavanaugh. So, so Brett Kavanaugh was actually a U.S. Circuit Court judge for the U.S. Court of Appeals for D.C. Uh, he was nominated by George W. Bush in 2003. And like Ryan said, he's one of the he's one of the front runners right now for um for supreme court justice he's also one of the guys who helped author the star report which was the leading advocate paper to get clinton impeached yeah, he does not like the clintons no uh he led the case against vincent foster the clinton aide who committed suicide he's been dumped the forest gump of republican <laughs> politics as our lovely research assistant caroline points out what does that mean 
I don't know. He, Help me. He likes chocolate. I, as far as gum, like, yeah, he's he likes to run. Life no, like apparently, I, I, it's the, she actually wrote it here. So, because he always seems to be involved in the current events somehow. So, you know how Forrest Gump was, like, accidentally shaking hands with the president and accidentally at this giant war scene and whatever. So, he, That's leaves, what Brett he leaves a charmed is. life. Yeah, Brett, Brett Kavanaugh is the Republic. No, it's not about a charmed life at all. It's probably <laughs> Forrest Gump had a very hard life. But but Brett Kavanaugh is just always around and he's been a part of these major things that keep coming up, you know, and to to the point of how these justices or or soon to be justices, hopefully not look at things. uh, You know, he believes that judges should seek the best reading, quote unquote, of a statute through interpreting the words of the statute. Now, What the hell does that actually mean? It means he's not a textualist. Right. When he says you should look for the best reading of the text, that means you're probably going to put a lot of your own spin on that text. Exactly. And what Trump would do. So it means that you're going to decide and then justify it with a with liberal intent. Uh, well, I guess liberal is not the right word. With an interpretation of the text that would well just really however agrees you want with your to opinion. do it and however you think it is best. Yeah, my my favorite thing That's about how him I though. That's my life. Exactly. He argued very heavily that Clinton that we should broaden what impeachment can be triggered over, and he thought that Clinton should be impeached just because Clinton lied. Uh, which is not enough. Oh, so I was going to say, maybe this is Trump's own, like, you know, uh, yeah. So that's nominee number one. Nominee number one says you should read the law however you think is best. (laughs) Uh, He's been a huge advocate to get Clinton impeached. He basically helped lead the charge on that. And he said numerous times that if you lie to the public and to the press, that should be enough to get you impeached. And now he is almost going to be nominated. (laughs) That's a very important, uh, interesting uh, nomination choice. Unless he changes that opinion or doesn't talk about it at all. Oh, I would imagine he's going to best read his way out of that opinion. Uh, (laughs) So let's go to nominee number two, Raymond Kethledge. I guess life is like a box of chocolates. You never know what you're going to get with these people. (laughs) Oh, my God. That was an impression of your mother. Uh, uh, So Raymond Kethledge, he was nominated to the Sixth Circuit by Bush in 2006. Uh, He actually clerked for Kennedy, which would be interesting if he replaced Kennedy. That's kind of the, the... a funny little circle. Honestly, he sounds a lot to me like another Scalia. He's he's a huge originalist, which, again, what does that mean, Allie? Yeah, so he considers himself a faithful adherent to the Constitution and its amendments, and that we should examine their terms as they were commonly understood when the text was adopted and ratified. So that means you're not taking into account... Uh, any technological technological advances or any good. changes in society. I actually so to to just be the swing vote myself here. I get that. So he's not saying read the Second Amendment and every letter matters. He's not saying read the Second Amendment in the context of today. He's saying forget the Second Amendment. Look at why the Second Amendment was written. What are the historical justifications that gave birth to them feeling the need to even write that? Why why does it exist? And let's try to uphold the spirit of that amendment rather than its exact words or meaning. Oh, so it's talking about a little bit looser version of the intentionalist. Yeah, it's it's definitely not how a justice traditionally or is supposed to be looking at things, but I'm not necessarily against it. But, you know, at the end of the day, it's it's I'm sure I'm not going to always agree with these people, especially the ones that are conservative enough to be putting up by Trump. But I do understand the spirit, why they believe that. 
Yeah, and it's interesting because his stance on immigration is relatively liberal. He heard a case called Patel versus U.S. Citizenship and Immigration Services in which he sided with an undocumented immigrant who overstayed their visa and spent the next 10 years in the U.S. trying to get uh, an employment visa. Yeah, apparently the immigrant's uh, employer was trying to get the visa and couldn't get it for him. They were denied by CIS and... uh, Basically, Kethridge argued that the statute that provided this path toward citizenship was not just created for the benefit of U.S. workers and citizens, but it was for the interests of the qualified immigrants themselves. And that means he probably won't get the nomination. Yeah, he does <laughs> because seem a he might have a slightly open mind. Yeah, <laughs> well, but I think that's proof in the pudding that he looked yeah. at the the law there and he said, "Well, here's what this law was intended for. Here's the spirit of this law," and he made a decision that I do agree with. So it's. It's very interesting to see. He affords himself a lot of flexibility, which, you know, in this case, I support as well. Yeah, I mean, traditionally, to get to the point where you're a nominee for a Supreme Court justice, even if you are Scalia or Clarence Thomas or something else, you're very intelligent. You very much understand laws in a way that that most of us never will. And, you know, it's hard to argue against their credit credentials and ability to do this the right way. But now we're seeing Fox News anchors up against very qualified people, and it's it's beyond frustrating to, well, to yeah, watch. And it's, it's, have those you, insiders. you don't even have to be a lawyer. You don't even have to be a former judge to be nominated technically. So who knows how far this will go? Yeah. And uh, moving on. Candidate number three, Amy Coney Barrett. She is <laughs> she I loves can't. Jesus. I, you know, I feel awful talking down about this one. I should be supporting a woman candidate, but she, you know, she's been criticized heavily for her association with a group called People of Praise. People, you know, this is not my opinion. I honestly don't know enough about it, but people have criticized them for being a, a pretty cultish organization. Um, and just, you know, their beliefs are that everyone should operate in order to serve God and the Lord. She says very clearly over and over again, the Bible is more important than the Constitution. Oh. And for the justices who are supposed to be d- interpreting everything by the Constitution, that's that's terrifying and ridiculous I mean, to hear. I think someone just lost out to Canada. Of church and state. Yeah. So people have praised the group. If, if you are unfamiliar, as I imagine, honestly, most people would be. It's a group that basically tells women in the group they are inferior. Men are supposed to lead the families. Men are supposed to lead the church. Men are supposed to lead everything. Women are inferior. But. They encourage women to go out and get higher education and get into positions of power outside to kind of bring everything back to God and and the the people of praise. She actually gave a speech for a graduating class. I think it was at Notre Dame where she was once an adjunct professor, um, where she, for all intents and purposes, I think she actually used these words for the most part, instructed the students that if they gear their careers towards serving God, they will be better lawyers. And yeah, in 2017, uh, U.S. Senator Dianne Feinstein, as many of you know, she said to Barrett quite literally in her nomination, uh, the dogma lives loudly within you. And that is a concern. She said you you believe so strongly in religion that uh, I'm concerned you would whether or not you would uphold Roe v. Wade. And uh, that's a concern for all of us. I mean, this is the kind of person that should not be on the court. Everything I just said about the credentials, the intelligence, even if I disagree with them, the Scalia's and the Thomas's, you know, those people earned that seat. And they are they are justices that America can be proud of, even if, again, I totally disagree with them. This is someone who is not. This is someone who helps 
see the fall of the country, in my opinion. I think somebody just fell under Kavanaugh for me. Is it Allie? <laughs> no. <laughs> All right, moving on. Uh, Actually, candidate... I don't know Cav- I don't know Allie's uh, stances on many things. That's true. Allie might be a worse justice than all these people. Oh, <laughs> I mean, when we get to the end of this, I'll let the listeners decide, but I'm pretty sure I would <laughs> beat them all up. Uh, and we are campaigning. <laughs> so, Trump, if you're listening, and I know you do. Uh, so, all right, candidate number, number four is a, a, <laughs> a, 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 a mule thapar. Uh, another Michigan person. Caroline's fired. <laughs> He's actually an immigrant from India. Or sorry, his parents immigrated from India. He is he was raised in Ohio. Uh, his dad owned and ran an HVAC business. His mom owned a restaurant that she sold after 9-11 to go serve as a civilian clinical social worker to assist veterans. Wow. So he comes from good stock. So he seems to be uh, a pretty normal dude for, you know, he he's, was a law clerk. He was in private practice. He was a professor for a little bit. He was also general counsel of EqualFooting.com, which I'm not really sure what that even is. It doesn't seem to exist anymore. (laughs) What was that, Austin? He he was nominated by George W. Bush. He was. He was another Bushy. (laughs) Nope. (laughs) He is the first federal judge of South Asian descent. Yeah, he... uh... He, he I honestly don't know a ton about him. Uh, I think he's the, again, he's, the he's dark not horse. Well, he's also not one of the, the main candidates. So, like I said, the, the, the people that are most likely to be voted in here are either Kavanaugh, Kethledge or Barrett. It sounds like, praise God, it won't be Barrett. And hopefully it, it, it is. So Kethledge. Far we're, yeah, so far, the order is Kethledge, then Kavanaugh, and then we'll just put Kavanaugh somewhere in a cupboard. Yeah, and then the uh, the other two were Joan Larson and Thomas Hardiman. Joan Larson was uh, uh, also clerked for Scalia, as most of these actually did. Uh, served as deputy assistant general in the U.S. Department of Justice Office of Legal Counsel from January 2002 to May 2003. Yeah, so Larson and Thapar were actually both only recently appointed to their current positions at the U.S. Court of Appeals. Um, one, uh, Larson was in the Sixth Circuit and don't really remember where the par is. Where was the par again? Uh, the par was also nominated by Trump to the Sixth Circuit in 2017. So they're okay. Interesting enough. They're sitting on the same court and both nominated by Trump last year. It it is funny that Trump just nominated these people. And then when he had to pick a Supreme Court justice, he's like, oh, I just did this. Go get the same group together. All right. What is the Sixth Circuit? I'm so like how we said earlier, how the federal courts are broken up into different districts throughout the country. Mm-hmm. They're all called Ninth Circuit, First Circuit, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah, they're basically separated into geographical areas. So, for example, you know, in the Northeast, it's the Second Circuit. It involves like New York, Jersey, Connecticut, tri-state area courts. Uh, and, and when I said those three were the uh, the front runners here, it's actually very surprising because when this all started – Everyone thought it was going to obviously be this guy, Thomas Hardiman. He was the one that almost got the last seat Trump picked. And Gore he was Gore Sox seat. And he was going to be the uh, the front runner to this by all accounts. But that seemingly changed. I don't know. No one knows. We'll know Monday when Trump wakes up and randomly picks one. But <laughs> but yet, like I said, he was the finalist in the running for the skeet. Gorsuch ended up getting after Scalia died. He's from Massachusetts and his dad owned a taxi cab and school transportation business. One of the good old boys. <laughs> Worked in a private firm for a while, mostly civil and white collar criminal litigation. So maybe it'll be interesting if he's, he's sitting in on Trump's case soon. Uh, he was originally uh, appointed by Bush. And Hardiman is a very conservative person with with uh, everything from he he's doesn't believe in separation of church and state based on some of his opinions. He's uh, uh, he believes in religious freedom. 
Yes, right. right. He uh, <laughs> so much My so that right it should be preach. in public schools. Uh, he he says felon. He has struck down a challenge that said felons should not be able to own firearms. Uh, he's voted to strike down People a federal turn their law. Their lives that, around, and then they need to protect themselves. Yeah, he voted to strike down a federal law that criminalized videos depicting animal cruelty. He ruled that the police that a police officer had qualified immunity because there was no clearly established First Amendment right to videotaping police officers during traffic stops, uh, which has been already uh, nationally said as no, that's not true. Uh, he he supports children showing their Bible for show and tell. Yeah, I mean that school. was quite literally the case. A kid wanted to read his Bible at show and tell, and the the school was like, well. Maybe no religion in class. And he was like, yeah, yeah, religion. I think that was the, the full opinion. Just, yeah, religion. Uh, but with immigration, know, that's like... A slippery slope. With immigration, that's... like most of these guys, he, he's a little more liberal. Uh, he ruled in favor of a Honduras man who was seeking asylum in the U.S. to avoid being recruited into a violent gang, which I literally just watched a video earlier today about a, a man screaming and begging to stay in prison rather than be deported back to Honduras. So it's a little bit more humanity than ISIS showed in today. He wanted the Board of Immigration Appeals to reopen a case when asylum seeker from China converted to Christianity and argued that conditions for Christians in China had worsened over time. So that's stupid, but that is, you know, it's stupid that Christianity is what piqued his interest, but it's still a liberal reading of immigration law. Well, I mean, he's maybe maybe he's also just looking at the U.S. as a, as, as a good grantor of asylum. Well, but more recently and most recently, only last year, he concurred in a judgment that said that the Immigration and Nationality Act unambiguously forbids aliens subject to reinstated removal orders from applying for asylum. So long story short, we're we're looking at a list of candidates that are potentially really terrible. Uh, They're going to be there a very long time. And I think that we're just not set up for greatness right now. We got a lot of questions about the Supreme Court justices, how this is going to work and what Trump can do or not do when it comes to these things. And the answer is he can pretty much put up anyone he wants and they control the House. So it's very likely he's going to get who he wants. All that said, own hopes. Yeah. All that said, Ali, any last words, anything you want to plug or promote? Before we Allie do that, Walker, Supreme know. Court justice, please take me out of my misery. Here at the <laughs> Why would you want to be nominated to the Supreme Court? So I don't have to work with Ryan Morrison every day. <laughs> Why do I want to be a Supreme Court justice? Because I'm not the basic bitch of the law. <laughs> Allie Rothman, not a basic bitch. <laughs> Put that on her business card. All right, that's going to do it for this week. Welcome back, everyone. We're going to, like I said, O'Connor's not going to be doing this with us anymore. He might pop on here and there to say hi and check in. Uh, he's still ha- helping on the back end. Uh, Austin and I are very excited to be back, though. Promise we're going to be back to our Tuesday schedule. And we're going to bring a guest on every week to talk about something Near and dear to their heart. Chicken nuggets for everyone. <laughs> We're going to have uh, everyone from Noah Winston to a uh, bunch of pro esports players uh, to a lot of the game developers that you've seen in the news lately being screwed over every which way. I'm still asking the, the guys making The Last Jedi remake to come on so I can uh, explain to them how badly they're going to be sued. And uh, <laughs> oh, it'll be no. a good time. So as always, Ali, where can people follow you on Twitter? Ali Rothman on Twitter, A-L-I Rothman. She has almost 500 followers. Help Please, her out. Please, help me out. Uh, <laughs> you can follow me at Mr. Ryan Morrison, and you can follow Austin at, at Robot, Robot Austin. And the show at Robot underscore Congress. Please go and to iTunes and change all your one stars to five stars, because we're back, baby. And <laughs> Please Friday. re-review us. Re-review us. <laughs> and thanks for listening. Good night. <laughs>
That was a HeadGum Podcast.